the beginning of something exciting, amen? I just want to, I don't get a chance to like speak a lot on Sunday, so I just wanted to say how much I appreciate each of you, and as I was singing this morning and praying, I just want you to know that I love you as a church, and I love how you've embraced our family, and we've almost been here two years now, and uh, a lot has gone on. <laughs> And sometimes I wonder, could I keep up with the pace of Jesus <laughs> um, and what he's doing in this community? And uh, I'm just excited. So I just want you to know that I appreciate you. Thank you to Rob and Chris back there, the unsung heroes on Sunday mornings. That You can clap for them. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a youth and children's pastor here. Um, I'm just excited to see what's going on Wednesday nights and what happened last night at our guys' night, just ninth grade boys praying and saying things out of their mouths that had to be driven by the Spirit. There's no other way. And by the Spirit of God, not by the Spirit of something else. <laughs> but uh, just exciting what God's doing. And we are seeing some great adventures, what God's doing in this church. So thank you to Pastor Kim, how he's leading and his leadership, and, and guiding the church, and how God's calling us, and, and this series, and the opportunity for me to speak on something that I love, evangelism, and something that God's put on my heart, so, so precious to me, that people are lost, and need Jesus, and how it's just my life goal to just try to reach as many people as I can, and not just bring them to church, but have them have the life in Jesus Christ that they really desire, that they're calling out to God for every night, that that, that part, that's, that's what I love. And so this morning, I just wanted to, I just wanted to start out. We're just going to read Jonah chapter 3 together. So that's how we're going to begin. And I just want you to know this morning is kind of going to be like a fire hose. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take from the message what you feel like God wants you to take. All right? We'll have a close and a challenge in this message. But, it, but it's going to kind of come out as a huge fire hose of blessing this morning just felt like God gave me a lot of stuff. And I said, I'm just going to share all this. And you guys take whatever it is that you feel like God wants you to take this morning. I feel like God has different things that he wants to share with each of you this morning. So here we go. Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. How would you guys like that message to proclaim? Go to the mall someday. Jesus is like, hey, go to the mall and tell those people that they've got only 40 days to repent. Or 40 days to turn from their wicked ways. And Yeah, I'm not, I don't want that message. <laughs> The Ninevites believed God. Let's just continue here. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. 
but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. How many of you guys have a friend that makes you, or made you do, maybe back in, when you were younger, back in the day, or maybe now, makes you do crazy stuff? Makes you kind of challenges you to do things that you don't want to do? Um, I remember when I was living in Washington, I, we were on this youth trip, and my, my friend was a youth pastor, Daniel Kellogg was his name, this is the guy that I'm talking about, the adventurous guy, the one that's crazy, the one that'll do anything. And he goes, today we're going to jump off a 70-foot cliff. I think my lunch almost came out in a moment there because I was like, I have never done that before. And my legs start shaking and my arms start shaking and I'm looking up on this cliff and I'm going, okay. And then I'm looking at the water below and I'm going, that's really fast. And not only am I going to jump from there possibly, but am I going to be able to get out once I get in the water? So I'm, so I'm kind of contemplating this, and, and I'm going, but I don't want to chicken out. He's kind of called me out. He's a dude. He's like, dude, you got to jump. you got to do this. So I'm like, I don't want to chicken out. So I start climbing this rock. Don't know why. Probably because I'm young and dumb. And I start climbing and climbing, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of looking down going, this is, I'm not even up at the top yet, and I'm really scared right now. And as I'm walking, he's talking to me, and he's going, okay, when you jump down, you got to make sure your arms are like this, and your feet are together, and you can't have any limbs going like this, because you could break something. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Why didn't you tell me this before? I got, didn't you tell me this before I started climbing, man, Really? So I'm climbing and I'm climbing. I get up to the top and I'm at the ledge. And I'm looking down and I'm going, I'm going to die today. I don't think I'm going to make this jump. And then he's like, it's about five seconds. And I'm like, okay, that seems like a long time, <laughs> like jumping. And so I'm like, okay, Jesus, if I die, I know where I'm going. So I'm at the top and I, and I jump. And I go straight down, and my arms are in, and I, and, I, and I land, and I'm looking down, and I'm going, and I'm like, is this going to happen? <laughs> like, really? And I'm like, just keep your arms in, just keep your legs in, don't move. You know, and I, and I, into the water. And I get out, and I'm like, woo! Most exhilarating moment of my life besides sharing the gospel with somebody. It's like that. Following God is like that jump. You get to this point where you're like, I know i got to share my faith with somebody. And your legs are shaking. And you don't know what it's going to look like. And you don't know what, how people are going to respond. You don't have a clue. But it's like that. And when you dive in, you realize that it's the greatest thing that you ever did in your life. It was the adventure that you were looking for. So this morning, I want to get us to this adventure. I want you guys to start thinking adventure with God. Instead of like, this is just a thing I got to do, or I got to, there's a great adventure waiting for us. And, and Jonah realized that at some point, and, 
And so here, I'm going to share, I'm going to go from adventure into sharing what Nineveh was like a little bit, because I want to show us what Nineveh's like, what it looks like, and then we're going to keep rolling along here. So Nineveh, it talked about Nineveh, a couple different things here. It says it took three days to see the whole city. All right? So it's a big place, right? A lot of things going on, I'm sure. A lot of things to do. A lot of places to go. Um, and it calls it, it was called a great city. So it was the capital of Assyria. And uh, 120,000 people lived there. So it's a big place. It's, you know, if you times Wassa by three, you get Nineveh, the size of people. And so there, so there you have it. And then Nineveh was a place, it talks about violence. So I just wanted to share, Kim shared something the first week about the violence of Nineveh. I just wanted to share this thing that I found in one of my commentaries, and it says this. Warning. What follows is rated R for gore and violence. All right, are you ready for this? If you don't like rated R, I'm sorry. (laughs) Forgive me now. Records brag of live dismemberment, often leaving one hand attached so they could shake it before the person died. They made parades of heads, requiring friends of the deceased to carry them elevated on poles. They boasted of their practice of stretching live prisoners with ropes so they could be skinned alive. The human skins were then displayed on city walls and on poles. They commissioned pictures of their post-battle torches where piles of heads, hands, and feet, and heads impaled. You guys had enough yet? I don't know. Impaled on poles, eight heads to a stake were displayed. They pulled out the tongues and, and unmentionables of live victims and burned the young alive. I can see why Jonah would say, I don't think these people <laughs> deserve me to go and talk to them about God. God. So what does it look like? So Nineveh is that three days journey. It's, it's a great city. It's 120,000 people. It's, it's violent. It's, it's all those things. It's evil. What does it look like to go to Nineveh? All right? So what does it look like for us? If we would go to Nineveh today, here's some things that I thought of that I thought it would look like. Number one, it takes us back to our sin. I think sometimes we don't like to go to Nineveh because it shows us how sinful we really are. And a lot of times we like to sit in our Christian huddle because just go, I'm, I'm good. We're talking about Jesus. Can't sin here. Can't mess up. Can't do anything wrong. But once you get to Nineveh, all the sin that you could want, all the pleasures, all the desires, all the, all the stuff's there. And so I think that's why as a Christian we have a trouble going to Nineveh. That's what it looks like. It's shocking. I went to a haunted house one time. This group of people told me, you're going to be the leader. I, I'm freaked out. I'm not going through that. I'm not being a leader. Like, I'm freaked out of stuff already. I watch movies. I don't need to lead through the haunted house. I'm walking through, and I'm just, and I'm freaked. And, you know, people come, and, ah! you know, and it, it's shocking to us. It, the world that we live in shocks us. When we live in a relationship with God, it's shocking. And we don't know what to do with it. We're like, we get paralyzed. Like, I don't know what to do with this person. This person's touching me, and they're weird. Or, or, 
or, you know, they're just really, they're really a mess, and I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to help them. I don't, I don't know what. And, and it shocks us. Nineveh is a shocking place. People are, people are hopeless. They're just without hope. They've lost jobs. A lot of people out there have lost jobs. A lot of people have got, gone through tough divorces. A lot of kids have gone through parents that have abused them. I mean, it's it just hopeless for people. And, and, and sometimes we like, it's, it's hard to get dirty. You need to get down and dirty where sin runs rampant. It's shocking. We're Christians, we take a beating out there. Nineveh is a place where you take a beating. Talk to a teenager about going to school. Talk to, any, talk to them this morning. Ask them how it is to walk down their hall. They take a beating. It's, like, it's like Nineveh, it's that place where God is not alive. False gods and self-worship, wicked and evil and violence. We talked about it. There's needy people, man. That they're going to call you on the... They're going to make your text keep beep, 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 beep. If you choose to go to Nineveh, your phone's going to be going off. And it's a place where God's dead. It's a place where, where people don't know that God's even alive, where he exists. Because they live in this world, they don't know God. And so this, this, this is what it looks like to go to Nineveh. And if you, if you travel there, that's what it's going to look like. So we're going to go to what is... We're gonna, we, this is what Nineveh looks like, but what holds us back from going there? These are a couple more thoughts that I came up with and other things that I've heard and people have said to me and <coughs> those things that hold us back. The thought that they will never accept Jesus. You know, I, I sometimes feel that way. Like, I don't, that person, that, that's it's hopeless, man. They're not going not gonna to turn from, I'm not going to change their life. And then God goes, what about you? <laughs> you think you're any different than that person? I don't think so. Nineveh draws out our deepest emotions. It draws out things in us that we don't necessarily want to even deal with in our life. It really challenges us to do more. Once we see the hopelessness and the, and the pain and the hurt, you ever go to Mexico on a mission trip? You ever go anywhere on a mission trip? You ever you did the local mission trip? You know it challenges you to do more. You know, it causes us to come out of our comfort zones. It causes us to come out of our busyness of life. It causes us to come out of our popcorn eating and Coke drinking and all those types of things, and it causes us out. It causes us to like, look at our busyness in life and go, why? Holds us back at someone else's calling. That's Pastor Casey's calling. He can go do that stuff. He's got all the time in the world. That's his calling. That's for evangelists like Luke, man. That's their thing. Fear's holding us back. Another thing that might hold us back is not experiencing God's compassion. Like we, Kim talked about last week, I heard his message, that encountering God and how it changes your life and how it gives you a second chance. And sometimes we forget about how God changed our life and we lose that compassion for people that are lost and broken and lonely. We get too comfortable. We, get, we have our... We have our dairy air print on our chair and we get comfortable in our, in our faith and our system of my relationship with God and, and, and I need to just sit here with God and that's, that's but people around us are dying and, and I think this all wraps up to this one thing that I heard somebody say once that fear was false evidences appearing real. So it's like the things that we think that are the things that we think are holding us back. The things that we think about Nineveh and the people out there hold us back from what God is calling us to do. 
So what about God in all this? Okay, so maybe that's, that's our problem. That's who we are. We're kind of like Jonah. We're like, I don't, and then the other thing that probably holds us back is those people don't deserve Jesus, man. They just, they impaled, they had eight heads on a stick. For real, why would we want to go share the gospel with people like that? Or they're murderers, or they abuse kids, or they, whatever. Those things, we, they don't deserve Jesus, right? I mean, we think those thoughts, I, I, I know we do, we're, we're humans, we think those things. And what about God in this? Here's what it says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Here's an interesting thought. I don't know if you've ever thought of this. Jonah was never convinced by Yahweh's argument about the need to transform Nineveh's wickedness. Never was convinced. Was obedient, right? Did what God called him to do. Jonah went to Nineveh, was obedient, but never was convinced. The book draws out God's true character. This is God's true character. Our character holds us back. Our flesh and our desires as, as human beings holds us back from doing what God calls us to do. But God is compassionate. God is full of life. I had this question this morning. Or I have this thought. Many people believe that God is indifferent. That he is distant. That he's far away from us and that he does not care about human people. What if, and think about this, I know this is a normal church thing, okay? But what if, and think about this, this morning, really think about this. What if God was calling us to make him known? To show people outside the church through our lives that he is in fact very real and that he desires for people everywhere to repent and start over anew and afresh in Jesus Christ. I know that we know this, but really think about it. Really think about it. What if God's desire for our church is to do that? We know that, amen? I mean, everybody preaches that every Sunday. Kim preaches that. I preach that at youth group. You guys preach to each other the same message all the time. God wants to use us. God wants to do this. God wants, but I mean, really think about it in your mind and challenge yourself this morning. So this is the, these are the big three things, all right? These are the big three things that kind of, that I look at that drive evangelism. These are the big three things that, that if we are going to go to Nineveh, it's going to be for one of these three reasons. And, and, and I actually believe that all three are very good reasons. I hope that you do. So one is passion. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying in, in John 17 and seeking the Lord's will, finally gave up the right to himself because he had passion and he had desire to see us saved. Finally gave up the right to like whatever he wanted to do, whatever he was desiring, to go back up to heaven, whatever. He, he finally gave up that right and he chose to save us and redeem us and go to the cross and do that. That was passion. What's that one movie called? It's about the crucifixion. Passion. There we go. Thank you. You guys are smart this morning. Passion. Jesus had this passion, this desire to see people saved. 
And he did what he was called to do. He was obedient to the calling because of passion. You have compassion. There's many times in the scriptures, Jesus saw people hungry and he said, hey, let's feed them. Or he saw people that were hurting over here and he's like, hey, that person's hurting, let's do something about it. He had compassion. He, he realized people had deep needs. And he didn't just like, some of us have compassion. We'll go, we'll get this message and we'll be like, oh man, I need to go help somebody. I need to do something about this. But it, we never do anything to alleviate what we're compassionate about. So we just like, we get this burning desire, this heart that God says, I need to do something with my life. And then all of a sudden we're like, we're like, but I'm going to just stay over here and and we'll just see what God does. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and see what God does over here. I'm going to pray, make sure that God alleviates the pain. I'm going to pray that this person, instead of, instead of being the presence of hands and feet of Jesus and being the presence of God and coming to this person and saying, what is your need? And I don't know if I can meet it physically or financially, but I know that I can meet your spiritual need because I know Jesus. But I know I'm, li- I'm like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that we're all, I'm like that. I'm like, I, I, sometimes I just stay away and I go, I, I'm hands length and I'm like, okay, God, would you bless that person? Would you, and God just asked me to go, no, brother, what's going on, man? I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to help you. I want to be here for you. And, and God asks us to have compassion that drives us to do things with our life. I was in prayer. I went on a prayer retreat and, and I was, I was in this room at St. Anthony's Spirituality Center. Anybody been to St. Anthony's Spirituality Center in Marathon? I just, it's a, if you haven't been there, you can get a room for a day, and all you do is give them like 10 bucks. They, they feed you lunch, and they give you a room in the place, and you can do whatever you want. It's just a spiritual retreat for yourself between you and Jesus. Get vertical, right? So I'm there, and, and, and I'm just sit, laying on a bed in the room, and, and I'm praying, and God says, I want you to go somewhere today. And I'm like, all right, sounds good. And uh, so I'm driving on the way, I'm driving home from this place, and, and all of a sudden, I, I, I really don't want to go. I, I, do you ever have those moments? Like, I don't really want to go. I know this isn't going to be. And my, and my false evidence is appearing real or coming to life. And, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden, like, something pulls my arm to go to the exit. And I go and meet with someone, and, and I meet in their home, and, and, and God shows up, and this person lets me pray with them, and they let me, they allow God to just show up in their life that day. But I could have chosen to not go there, and I could have been like stubborn, like, God, I'm not going, just leave me alone. I don't want to do it. Just like my kids when they don't want to clean their room. I don't want to clean my room. I don't want to do it. You know, it's the same thing we do with God. Like, I don't want to do that. And we whine and, and we fight. And then finally, like with Jonah, you just end up doing what God calls you to do. But it might take a time. But that's what God's calling us to, this, this, this compassion, the obedience part of it. And Jonah goes because he has encountered God a second time and realizes that God is calling him and he needs to do what he's called to do. Probably doesn't want to smell like a fish again. I mean, would you want to do that? <laughs> I don't know if you smell like a fish and people are like, what's up with that guy? 
But this obedience thing is huge, and the passion and the compassion and obedience, these big three are huge. And the question I have is, which one of these is driving your life more? I think we all have different areas that kind of drive us more. And I've come to the conclusion that I think that we really need all three of these to really be effective. But here's, here's how this worked in my life, another way. Um, I, it was late at night, probably 11 o'clock, 11 p.m., and I was playing a video game, and this girl texted me, and she said, she said, hey, uh, A.J. Rose told me that I should talk to you because I'm really struggling, and A.J. is one kid that has compassion, and he does something about it. I just want you to know that. I don't know if you guys know A.J., but he sees problems and he sees hurts and he really goes out and does stuff about it. And, and, he, and this girl texts me and so I be obedient by answering my phone. And I start to hear her story. And I start to hear her story about years of, of evil and, and oppression in her life and satanic influence and all these things. And I start hearing this story and I start to have compassion in my stomach and and compassion leads me to start having passion to just pray. Because you know, right? God has to save people. And so no matter what words I was going to say that night, it had to be God. And so I started having this passion to pray, and this passion to just seek God and say, God, you've got to save this person. You've got to do something. You've got to just show up. You've got to do what you can do. I can't save this person. I can't do it. And if you would see me at home, this is the same way I'd be. Just being honest, I'd be sitting on the couch like, God, you've got to save this person. Jesus, you are real, you are alive, you've got to come in and you've got to do this. I can't do it. I can't save this person. I can't do it. And, and as a church, we all say, God, we can't do it. But it comes from our obedience. When we're with God and we, we, we are spending our time with God in our obedience because we love God and we're obedient to spend time with him, you start to get that compassion. You start to get passion. You start to get what God has for you because God starts to do it in you. Just like Kim talked about last week, that encounter with God. We show up on Sunday, we're hungry, amen? You guys hungry today? We're hungry and God fills us. He does something in us and he changes our life and he takes our sin that we came out with and he goes, I got something better for you than that sin. I got something better for you, church, than what we're doing right now. I got life. I got life out there that you're going to affect that people that never knew me are going to know me. And someday when you get to heaven, they're going to walk through the pearly gates with you. And they're going to look at you, Emily Radloff, and go, she saved my life. I am here because Jesus touched my life. Because of you. Because of Chris Wheezy. Because of this congregation that God is going to use. We are in a season where God is going to bless and he's going to use us if we're obedient, if we have compassion, if we have passion for what he wants to do. And so anyways, this young person, I started hearing compassion and I started have passion for prayer. And, and, and all of a sudden I said, hey, the only way to freedom is through Jesus. The only way in your life that you were ever going to find freedom from that stuff, from the past, from the pain, from the hurt, is through Jesus. This is through texting, by the way, so I don't know if she heard preaching or what, but. And so she texts and she prays the prayer with me. And it's not just about the prayer, but it's what she said at the end. And I go, how do you feel? And she goes, I can feel Jesus loving me right now. 
amen. I mean, I was like, amen. And I was jumping around my room and I was like, God. And, I, and then I kept sharing things with her because I felt like I needed to share more with her. And God was at work. So the point of this whole thing is God is compassion. You know, God is a compassionate God. And these are some of the things that I, that I know about our city. He cares for the 14,000 unchurched people within five miles of Bethany. He cares that the drug overdoses and heroin addiction are up in our, in our county. He cares that divorces are happening left and right. He cares that kids are growing up without dads or moms. He cares that sex is running rampant in our city. He cares that underage drinking is at an all-time high. He cares that suicide notes, cutting, depression, and loneliness are a common theme in our city. Nineveh is right here. Nineveh is our backyard. People, maybe we don't feel like they deserve Jesus or that they've messed up. There was a girl that came in and asked for help from our church. We have one of the, we have a great person in this church that said, I don't care how many places that she's gone for help and has gotten it. I don't care. I just know what God wants us to do. I don't care if people have given her diapers and, and money and gas money and all this stuff. I don't care if she's been to 10 other churches. She's hurting. She's a single mom with kids. She's hurting. And I said, amen. That's the church that we belong to. That's the church of Jesus Christ. That's the church that I always want to be a part of. Because Nineveh's right here. And if someone hadn't come after me, I would be addicted to pornography still. I would be a mess. I would be drinking. I would probably be sitting at a bar stool on a Sunday morning because I had no other hope in my life. If someone had not taken me to hell's flame and whatever it was, and, and I had received Jesus that night, changed my life forever. Because I am Nineveh. There is Nineveh in all of us, and, and that's the ugliness. But that's where God wants to take us. Because He's compassionate, He cares about this city. In this passage, again, God saw what they did and had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction He had threatened. We know that hell's a real place. I don't want to, I don't want to scare you guys into evangelizing because of hell. But we know hell's a real place if we believe what the Bible says. We believe that some people will go there. It wasn't meant for people. Hell was not meant for a single person. Hell is meant for Satan and his demons. And we don't. And, and, and God, we, we just, we're asking God, we're asking God to use us to keep people from there because they don't need to go there. We want people to have the real deal with Jesus, right? We want people to have heaven and the good things that it promises. We want people to have the streets of gold and the fruit that tastes amazing that we haven't even tasted yet. We want people to, to get that. We want people to have this relationship with Jesus. And so two words, two words this morning 
Two words changed Jonah's life. Two words in the scripture that God just, just popped out the page when I was studying this. This time. Two words, this time. Can you say that? This time. I don't care about last time. God doesn't care about the last time you didn't share your faith. God doesn't care about the last time you didn't receive him. God doesn't care about you playing your video game or watching a game or whatever. He, he says, what about this time? What about this season, church? What about this time in our life? What are we going to do? This time changes direction. It changes our heart. It changes our attitude. It changes action. It changes behavior. It changes ourselves. It changes our mind. It's coming to the Lord and saying, your will be done in my life. Whatever that is. It's this time. Jonah, the word says, this time Jonah went to Nineveh. And what happened at Nineveh? We read it this morning. People, cha- people changed. The king took off his robe. I mean, how powerful is that? The king of Ass- took off- Assyria took off his robe and said, we need to repent. We need- I mean, they had animals wearing sackcloth. That should be funny, by the way. I, I was cracking up about that. Like, that's kind of funny. Animals are wearing sackcloth. I mean, the, the whole nation was evil, so it was like, we've got to put sackcloth on everything to repent. And it happened. And Jonah was shocked because he's like, what is going on here? I thought you were going to burn these people. What's your problem, God? I thought you were going to destroy them. And then Kim will be talking more about that next week. But this time, and the challenge this morning is this, and we're going to, I'm going to give you like three minutes to just respond to God. So that's all it's going to be. Three minutes to respond this morning. And Vicky's going to come up and play something for us to respond to. If you have your bulletin, you have a pen, pencil, or whatever that might be. But what I want you to, I want you to look into yourself, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray before. You can start playing, actually. That's fine. And I'm going to pray for what Nineveh looks like for us. And what Nineveh is God calling you to, and what are you going to do this time? That's the question. If I was a pastor and just spoke a good message and and was like, yeah, that's cool. Good job, Casey. I want you guys walking away today challenged and going, what am I going to do this time? What am I going to do? What am I, God's calling me. What am I going to do? Because when you get to the cliff, it's scary. And it's a 70-foot jump down and the waters look rough and everything's, it seems like people, they don't want Jesus and and it seems hopeless and, and it's a mess, and I don't want to get in that mess. I don't want to, Jesus, I don't want to get in that mess. Why are you calling me? He's calling you because you got the real thing, church. He's calling you because you got what people really need and desire, right? Amen? He's calling us because we have it. And so what are we going to do? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond to God. Just three minutes this morning. And I want you to do this. If you get something from God that you feel like this is my Nineveh, this is my season of Nineveh right here. This is what I need to do. I want you to write it down. And what I want you to do is I want you to email me that. I want you to Facebook it. I want you to text me. Text Pastor Kim. We want to we pray. Kim and I are going to share our Ninevehs. We need to lead this charge. This is not, we're, we're not just going to tell you that, oh, you got to do this, and we're going to sit back in our chair. Oh, yeah, good job, guys. No, we're, we're called to Nineveh as a church, all of us. 
So let's pray together. God, thank you for speaking this morning. God, thank you that you are in our midst, that your word is powerful and it's alive. I don't know what Nineveh looks like for some of the people in this room, but I believe that they do. And so I pray this morning that you would reveal that, number one, God, right now, that you would reveal Nineveh to people. Number two, I pray for compassion and passion or just obedience from some people, God, that they would just be not the 10%, but that they would, or they would become part of the 10%, God. And they would jump from the 90% that haven't shared their faith to the 10% that have. That you would give them that desire this morning. God, that you would pour in. God, you have to do it. I can't. I'm a, I'm a man. I can't supernaturally change someone's life, but your Holy Spirit, because of your son Jesus, can. And I pray this morning, if you're somebody that is in Nineveh right now and you feel like God is going to destroy you. That you would know his unfailing love and his compassion and his grace over your life and it was shown through Jesus Christ. And that you would just, you would just say, Jesus, I'm yours this morning. Take all of me. My sin is so real. It's, I'm sick of it. My life is broken. Just take my life and I offer it to you. Just take it, God. It's in shambles. It's pieces. And I can't do anything about it, God. Would you just take it and do something real with it? Save me from the destruction of myself. Save me so I can go to Nineveh like the pastor's talking about this morning, God. And all as a church, we say this time, God, take our life and let it be yours. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today and for your presence with us, for your love for us, for all your goodness. You are amazing, God, that you would choose us to do this work. We will do our best, God. We will go by your spirit, by your power, by your glory. Let us take you to a world who thinks that you're dead and see you resurrect in the lives of people. We love you, Jesus. Amen. the ushers to come forward and uh, we'll receive our offering and then we will be dismissed in a moment.